Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with former MLB Slugger and Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer Adam Dunn. All right, let's do this. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down with a man that finished his career with 462 home runs. He's a two-time All-Star, was inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame in 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Dunn. Adam, thanks for coming on the program. You got it, brother. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Long time. Well, no, I saw you. Well... We ran into each other about nine months ago, I guess, in Cincinnati. Um, high school football, Texas, big big deal out there. Were you better in high school? Were you better baseball player, or football player? Oh, I was definitely better in football. Um, you know, yeah, that's what you spend most of your time doing out here. Uh, it's it's everything is is, is football. Um, you know, there's no there's no really baseball off season. There's you know there's football season and football off season and then you know you play baseball basketball track between all that and then get ready for football again so uh yeah i would definitely say football obviously you grew up in texas uh little adam dunn as a kid i asked this question to the i forget the last oh, we had mike tyson recently and i said the same thing to him little adam dunn what were you like as a kid but were you ever little <laughs> Uh, no, I was never little, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I wasn't always, you know, the biggest kid, but, um, you know, I definitely was, was never little. Uh, I think looking back, I was probably a little punk. Um, you know, I had an older brother, I was a middle kid, so I was always trying to get attention. And, um, you know, so I would probably say up until I was 13, 14 years old, I probably would have, uh, if I could go back and my own ass i probably would grew up playing would you play you're always you said football is a big deal obviously you know i i hear stories about it i see movies made after it uh the texas football on the weekend it's like the whole town comes out it's almost like a college atmosphere um you know i, I grew mean, up in jersey are- jersey and cali you know it's not that big a deal it was the weekend thing if you go to the high school you know you go yeah. out you you go with your buddies and you watch the game different in Texas. Um, take me through what it's like, tell the audience what it's like to, to grow up a football player, especially at a high school. Um, you know, what are, what are the games like? Well, how are they that much different than everywhere else? I mean, I, honestly, like I hate even talking about it because people are like, Oh yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it, it really, I mean, the only way to really to know, is to experience it. And, you know, I would tell anybody that, that is not from, you know, Texas to <laughs> take a trip, take a trip, pick a game and take a trip and go to any, you know, not any, but, um, you know, go to a high school football game and you'll see what, what it's like. It's literally a college atmosphere. Um, you know, these stadiums are 70, $80 million. Um, it's, you know, you got to get your tickets, a week in advance, um, you know, you're selling out, you know, anywhere from 12 to 20, 30,000 people. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome. It, you know, it's changed a lot. Um, just because there's more schools popping up and, and this and that, but, um, you know, still like the big dogs, those, th- those games, I mean, they're literally like watching a college game. Kenny was your high school, your quarterback, um, so when you get to your senior year, mm-hmm. because, you know, we all know what you ended up choosing and ended up playing and very successfully for a long time, uh, in the big leagues, but you get to your senior year, you're a prominent quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up, you end up signing with the university of Texas, Austin, but you're a baseball player and you're going to be a high draft pick. So give me that senior year, what you're going through. What are you thinking? What's in your mind? Are you thinking Bo Jackson? I'm going to play two sports. Are you thinking I got to choose one? I don't know. You're going to Texas to play football. 
Yeah. But but what's yeah, no just matter take, what me through, take take me through your senior year and, and who's coming to the, your games, the scout, you know, baseball scouts are showing up baseball. Yep. Obviously, you're getting recruited. You end up landing on the University of Texas. Take me through Adam, Adam Dunn, senior year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of the long story short was when Coach uh, Mac Brown got the job, um, you know, I was not going to go to Texas with the previous uh, regime. I was, um, you know, I was probably going to end up in Tennessee. Um, you know, what I wanted to do was go play college football and college baseball. And, and, you know, but I wanted to go to a place that had a chance to win a national championship in both. And, um, you know, when Coach Brown came in, um, you know, that's that's where I knew I wanted to go. So, you know, that's that's where I that's where I signed my letter of intent. But on the baseball side, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to be that guy that that, you know, lied to the to these, you know, to these clubs saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'll sign, I'll sign. With knowing, like, listen, if here's what I want, and it has nothing to do with money. It is, I'm going to play college football. If you guys let me play college football, then I would love to do baseball also. If not, then I'll play high school baseball. I mean, uh, college baseball, no big deal. And, and, you know, we'll go from there and see where it takes us. So, um, you know, when the Reds drafted me, I've, I've – I, again, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with the money. It had everything to do with them letting me do both. And um, so there was no, there was no negotiating. It was great, awesome. Thanks. I'll see you. Um, you know, in, in in a couple of days in Billings, Montana. And um, so I went to Billings, Montana for let's see, I guess a month and a half, and then reported to Austin for for two days, which was a uh, complete culture shock because I was, you know. I'm up in Billings, Montana, where the weather is beautiful, and you know I'm supposed to be supposed to be out there training, learning the playbook, and blah blah blah. But you can imagine being 18, you know, on the road for really the first time in the minor league setting. So that uh, I really wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, and then reporting to Austin, it's 100, you know, one degree below hell out there, and that was when two days still was was up and going, and um, you know, needless to say, I wasn't prepared. So, like you said, you let them know. So, you told all the scouts. I mean, you, you're talking to different teams, and you're going, here's the deal. Don't draft me if you don't want me to play football. I'm playing football. Obviously, like you said, Reds drafted you. They already knew going in. So, it wasn't a matter of, hey, we need to talk about this. It was, you already know my plan. I'm going. Made it kind of easy for you, probably. Your second-round pick. You go to Billy. I think a Boone. I think one of my brothers played in Billings. I'm not sure which one. It sticks in my mind, Billings, Montana. Anyway. Yeah, it's probably it had Aaron. to be Aaron. It had to be Aaron, didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, so you're off to Billings, and this is where for me it gets interesting because you know I was done football, Adam. Because I talked about you. Were you ever small, Booney? Were you ever big? No, my football <laughs> career ended my freshman year in high school, so I didn't have right. these these issues you had. And like you said, you're 18. It's different. You know, for, for pro ball is a different is a different animal. You're 18 and you're talking about learning the playbook and it's kind of overwhelming. Cause you know how that minor league is. It's just, it's grinding. It's our first time of playing every day and we're not doing it for fun anymore. We're doing it for work. This is our job. If we don't play well, you know, we get fired just like everybody else. So you're probably grinding through that, that your first short season in Billings, get to the university of Texas. How prepared are you for this, for this, the start of a football season. I know you ended up red shirting, um, yep. but you said you weren't prepared. It was a culture shock for you. What, what do you mean by that? I was not prepared. I, um, you know, I, when I left Billings, Montana, I get there and, you know, I'm, I'm already behind the eight ball because all of those guys have been at the quote unquote voluntary, uh, workouts all summer. And, uh, you know, I've been in Billings, Montana, doing something else. And so when I got to, you know, when, when I got to there, you know, it, it wasn't so much a conditioning stuff. It was the playbook. I, I mean, I literally, the, I, you know, if I, if I was, if I needed to study eight hours a day, I studied 20 minutes, you know, that's kind of the equivalent of that. So I was really behind the eight ball and with, and it's just funny how things work because, I'll kind of give you the rundown real quick, but the starter was a guy named Richard Walton. Um, waited his time. Really, really good player. Um, well, he gets hurt the second game of the year. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm listed as the backup. So I get he gets hurt the second game of the year at UCLA. And we're getting our teeth kicked in. It's third quarter. Well, he breaks his wrist. Well, I'm getting ready to go on the sidelines, blah, blah, blah. Well, Coach Brown comes in and said, you know, game's out of reach. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to put in another guy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, thank God. You know, the first time in my life I'm like, because I, I mean, I knew I, I mean, I knew I knew enough to get by. Uh, so the next week, I believe it was the next week, we had Kansas State, who was the number one team in the country. And so during practice, they obviously knew that I knew nothing. Um, you know, I, 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 knew, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't know what I needed to know. And uh, you know, that's kind of the story's history because I would have. Uh, who knows? Who knows what would have happened if if I would have taken care of my business and known the playbook and you know, got in there. I might, might still be playing that sport. Now, when you come out, okay, you come out after your first pro season of baseball, when you show up, how, how are the other guys? How are the coaches? Are they, are they pretty, um, are, are, are they very respectful? Like, wow, he's, he's doing both. That's going to be tough. And they give you a little leniency or was it more like, I don't care. You're playing baseball. You got to know this shit. We, we, we need you for the football field or yeah. Well, how, how are you, how are you uh, kind of, I don't know, welcomed by, by players and staff. Players. Awesome. Like players. Awesome. awesome. They were, they, they were probably thought it was pretty cool. Almost like, yeah. wow, that, that's pretty impressive. You're doing both. Yep. Cause Ricky was doing, Ricky Williams was doing both at the time. So that was kind of, um, they gave you a little clout. You know, that's right. So, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, Ricky loved baseball. And uh, so we'd always talk baseball. Well, I mean, you got the Heisman Trophy winner on your, on your corner. You know, you got a lot of other friends, too. Um, you know how that goes. But, uh, you know, the strength coach there was great um, because, you know, once I was, was there, I, was, I wanted to show him, like, look, I'm not, I'm not your typical quarterback, man. Like, so I would go work out with the, you know, one of my workout partners was the, one of the linebackers and um, who was one of the team captains on the team. And, uh, so, you know, I got, a, I had a lot of, uh, you know, buddy buddies on that side, but as far as the coaches, yeah, coaches, they, they didn't give two shits if, uh, I played baseball or not. Um, you know, coach Brown did coach Brown was awesome, you know, but he, coach Brown is a head coach. He is a CEO of a major corporation. Um, you know, I was, I'd always try to get a little brownie points. Like, Hey coach, uh, you know, on this play here. So he's like, <laughs> I don't have no idea. He goes talk to Coach Davis. I'm like, all right, man, thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't working. But yeah, nah, nah, wasn't happening. So you take off. You play now. What's going to be your first full year uh, pro ball? You end up coming back. They sign a kid Nate by the name of Chris Sims that off season. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking the writing's on the wall? They want you to move to tight end. At this stage, you you've had probably what year and a half now pro ball. Now, no. So oh, that, okay. That happened. So how how all this went down was so I hosted Chris on his visit. That so this would have been the spring of my freshman year. So I hosted him on his visit. You know, and he was going right. to Tennessee and blah 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 blah. <clears throat> so you know, we had a good time and uh, you know, our spring game. I had a good spring game, and then after the spring game, um, it was kind of one of those. Um, we're in meeting type deal and it was, we're, we were going to run a kind of a split quarterback system. And that's something that, you know, I asked coach Brown and them before I signed there, if that's something that we would do, he's like, no, you know, we're going to get good enough athletes here. We won't have to do that. Blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of how all that is. So to answer your question, Chris came after I left. Um, oh, everybody okay. thinks cause, cause Chris came, you know, and that's, I just usually roll with it because that's just the easier, you know, story. But so I left after um, literally the Monday after the spring game. I, you know, Sunday I called my agent and said, hey, I'm out. Like, I'm taking my ball and going home. And looking back, I probably should not have. But, uh, you know, when you're 18 and, um, you know, you have pro baseball as a, as a second option and, you know, I kind of took my ball and went home, and uh, I was sitting in class at about eight thirty. My agent calls and says, "Hey, I got it done." I'm like, "Huh?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, you come home." I'm like, "Oh God!" 
So then I got to go tell Coach Brown and them, and Coach Brown was really cool. Like, you know, I hate that you're you're leaving. Um, you know, we should think about it, but I completely understand. You're always welcome. Blah 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 blah. And uh, so I remember driving. I remember that driving, you know, two and a half, three hours home, and thinking I just my life was over. Like I just literally the one thing I've always wanted to do my entire life. I just pissed it away. Um, driving home, you know, having to report to Sarasota for a week to, um, you know, spring training. In, in the end of spring training, um, was I thought my life was over, man. So this is uh, wow, that's interesting. So you, this is still football's still your first love. So you're kind of grappling with it. You're playing baseball, which is still number two in your life. And yeah. Yeah. well, it ends up it ends up being the right decision. I mean, when when it's all said and done, um, what you end up doing in your career, it's the right decision. But that's it's very interesting to me. I when I talk to kids all the time, you know, they ask me, uh, you know, what what advice do you have, and and uh, you know, what do you see from the guys that make it, the guys that don't make it? I said, well, the guys that make it, I, I said, there's a handful of guys that are freaky, freak. You know, they're they're born, they're f- just freaks, and it doesn't matter what they do. They're going to be big league baseball players. And I said, and then there's the rest of us. First, we got to be passionate as hell at what we do. If you're not passionate, you might as well go home right now. But that's why it was so interesting when I was, you know, prepping for you. I'm thinking, wow, this is Adams. Really? It's his second love. I mean, he really wants to be a football player. It wasn't working out maybe at the pace or, or timeline that you wanted to. And, and like you said, you're 18, you're 19 years old. That's young. You know, it seems like you're an adult, but you're really not. I remember when I was 18 and 19 and, and, uh, you know, there's a little growing up to do, but the fact yep. you're going into this, I don't know. Interesting. And the fact you still, have the wherewithal you get through it and, and next thing you know you're in the big leagues in 2001 yeah and that was like i said man that was a tough part because it, everything happens for a reason right you know you always hear that old cliche but i mean in 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 this case it's i can point my finger at so many things that happened through the course of you know that year starting with how much how much fun i had in rookie ball right uh the guys that on the on the team in rookie ball I had Russ Nixon, as you know, Russ. Um, yeah, that was my that was my first manager, right? I mean, can you imagine like having Russ Nixon as your first minor league manager? Um, you know, so I mean, my my that whole experience was just over the top, just one of the funnest times I've ever had. And then I go in, in football, and like you said, the, the, the it, I've never struck, I've never set the bench, I've never, you know, and I know that. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I know that I'm better than what's out there. You know, the only thing holding me back is my, my dumb ass not knowing, not taking care of my business. So I was frustrated. I was uh, knowing that I'm better than what's out there. And, you know, kind of how everything played out. And, you know, Jim Bowden, who, you know, love him or hate him. I love the guy. You know, he would, he would call me at least once or twice a week while I was, you know, still in school saying, you know, you sure would look good. You know, hitting in front of Junior and behind Barry and blah 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 blah, and I'm like, man, this is so awesome. You know, you know what? This baseball thing, this is it. I mean, this football thing, screw it. I'm out. And that's kind of how it all went down. I could hear Bowden on the phone too. You oh, know, he was it, still man. there. He was. He was my. He was my general manager. He made the trade yep. for me when I came over from Seattle when I was a kid. And you're right. Love him or hate him, I love him too. I'm in your camp when That's it right. comes to Jim Bowden. He was. He was great with me. But I can hear him saying that to you. Hey, Adam, boy, you'd look really good. I got your uni printed up here, <laughs> hitting here. Yep. Oh yeah, you know, selling you the dream. You end up. You end up living the dream. Uh, you get to the big leagues in 2001. Uh, and this is pretty cool. Your, your first skipper, Russ Nixon's your your A ball skipper, your rookie yep. ball skipper. Bob Boone is uh, Bob Boone. your first big league skipper. Interesting, you know. <laughs> I never played for Dad. Uh, I played. Dad was my bench coach in, in 1994, mm-hmm. and I remember getting the. Tr- I get traded. Jim Bowden calls me, Brett. Great to have you here in, in Cincinnati. You know, I get a call from Davy Johnson, who was the skipper at the time. And Davey says to me, he says, uh, Booney, you know, looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you in spring training. He says, hey, is your dad around? I said, actually, Davey he happens to be right here. He goes, could you put him on the phone? And Davey and my dad played together in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And 
about 20 minutes later, you know, dad disappears for a while. He comes back and he goes, uh, Brett, how would you feel if I was your bench coach? And I looked at him and, and just imagine, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm going to Cincinnati. Dad's going to be there looking over my shoulder. Right. Oh, this is the worst. Like, yeah, yep. oh, he's like, what do you think? I said, you know, and as a kid, what do you say? It's your dad. Well, yeah, this is, I'm like, this is I'm like yeah. I guess it'll be fine, dad. And then all winter, I'm thinking, this is crap. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, Adam, it was one of the funniest years I've ever had. Bob Boone, yeah, now I'm talking about him, and, you know, like, like he's not my dad. He was the, the most, he was the ultimate pro. When we got to spring training, when we put that uniform on, we got to the ballpark. He treated me, it was coach, player. Yep. And then when we had some downtime during the season, we had an off day. Uh, He was my dad and we could go to lunch. It was one of the coolest years I've ever had. And I laughed because I said, I thought this was going to be like a nightmare having daddy with you. But he made it. He went out of his way to make me, you know, this is the big leagues. This isn't this isn't daddy ball. And and it was a wonderful year. And and I'm so glad that I had it. You know, I think him and Aaron, they're 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 so similar that they butt heads a lot more than my dad and me do. I I don't know if he was the manager. That's kind of an added pressure. But uh, you're playing with you're playing for Bob Boone. You got. Like you said, Griff, Lark, uh, Aaron's on that team. And um, what was your what was your first impression? I know you got off to a great start. You hit 12 homers in August. You end up hitting 19 homers in, in limited ABs in that 2001 season. But a, a pretty big uh, – you show up with, with some pretty good fanfare, and uh, you didn't disappoint. Take me through that initial call-up. We all did it at some point. Uh, and, and give me a little Bob Boone. Yeah, I can give you a lot of Bob Boone. Um, you know, first off, that was, that was the, you know, I, I kind of knew which looking back kind of ruined it. Um, you know, I, I, I knew when I was coming up, uh, so I'm in AAA and I, you know, and I knew when I was coming up and, um, so it kind of, you know, you can imagine, you know, you, you've got the countdown of, you know, how the countdown is when the season's over. Well, I, I've, I've got a countdown of when I'm coming up to the big leagues <laughs> and, um, you know, so it was kind of bittersweet looking back, but and and, and you know to 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 add to that bittersweetness was you know I get called up in um, we in, in in Miami, so uh, you can't think of a worse place to get called up as a you know as a twenty year old kid, but uh, Miami was it, and um, but yeah, I mean I remember it you know, like it was yesterday, um, you know, that, that team that, that still, you know, that's my favorite time to play baseball. Cause you know, I feel like that I caught the tail end of the old school baseball. Uh, you know, I got to play in the, the, the old school mentality, excuse me, baseball. And then obviously what this is now, but, uh, um, great team, you know, like you said, with Bob, man, he treated, you know, he was, he was such, he was, he was such an easy person to play with, play for, um, you know, let you do your thing, <clears throat> let you play. And, you know, he would always talk about the mental days when you, you know, needed a mental day, but those mental days are when you're sucking, you know, you're, you're hurting the team. And you now I was like, Bob, it's, it's good, solid benching. Like just like, Oh, what it is. Like, <laughs> it could it right. Yeah. Fundamental benching. That's exactly what it is. Call candy it coat you know, candy coat it how you want. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like I signed up for 162. I'm killing the team. And uh, you know, but I will tell you this, this is a funny story. Um I don't remember what year it was. It might have been I don't know. But I don't it was a couple years later. <clears throat> and you know, I I I'm sucking. And uh he moves me to lead off and I've hit lead off in high school, man. I hit lead off in high school and everybody's making such a big deal out of it. And we're at this luncheon and everybody's making this huge deal about me hitting lead off. And I didn't think nothing of it. Right. I'm like, shit, man, you know, I can run a little bit and you know, I, I walk a lot and I, you know, crap, I've hit lead off before. Well, <laughs> so, so Bob and Bob's witty, you know, his wittiness, some, some super fan asked him about, you know, me hitting lead off. And he's like, well, if you look, you know, what, if you go one for five, what's that average? It's like 200. He goes, well, what's his batting average? 
like it was 200. Well, yeah, so we figure if we can get him up five times, you know, he's going to – law averages, he's going to get a hit. And, you know, he's got however many home runs, and, you know, that's probably going to be one of those home runs and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, there you go. That's, that's great. Thanks. I'm hitting 200, and that's why I'm leading off because, you know, getting that fifth at bat. <laughs> Great. Well, and, and you're you're kind of ahead of your time when you think about it. It's like you got the big power slugger, six six, leading off. That's kind of commonplace now. You know the the big yeah. strong sluggers. You got a lot of guys leading off. I checked it the other day. Yankee game. Judge is leading off. Well, so uh, it, you know you guys are way ahead of your time. Yeah. Anyway, two thousand. You know, again, I wasn't the the the. the in product of my career wasn't what I, what I was, you know, I've got a lot of reasons why, you know, um, we had a hitting coach while your dad was there to, you know, again, love him or hate him. This one, I hate, uh, <laughs> set me back, um, you know, and, and, and I could never get back to, I could, I had this conversation you ready for this one. Yeah. So I make the All Star Game my rookie year. I don't know what I'm three hundred. Yeah, two thousand two. I got it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what it is. I mean, still haven't really failed. After the All Star Game, we go to I don't remember where where it is, but let's. I think it was like Arizona, uh, San Diego. I take an O for Arizona, and I take an O for the first game, or maybe O for the first two games in San Diego. Well, this hitting coach says, hey, you can meet, meet you on the field early. I'm like, yeah, all right, no problem. Drops says, hey, uh, we knew this was going to happen to you. Um, you know, went on this whole elaborate. Now, mind you, I've already been warned by one of our other guys that had him saying, you know, dude, don't listen to him. I'm like, bro, I'm 21 years old. Like, yeah, I mean, he's my big league hitting coach. Of course, I'm not listening to him. <laughs> well, he says I don't pull the ball enough. <clears throat> to be a big power guy. I don't, I walk too much. And I agree with that. I, you know, I, I, I knew it, what he meant by I walk too much. And I, and I agree with that. But, you know, again, I'm 21 years old. I'm like, I walk too much. What the hell is he talking about? I don't pull the ball enough. What the hell is he talking about? So about three or four times a week on the field, we would hit these weighted softballs that he would flip, right? On the field, big league stadium, big leaguer, flip my front hip, and he told me to try to hit it off the right field foul pole. So, of course, I'm out there, and blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, Jeff Jenkins can do it at will, and Ryan Klesko can do it at will. So, of course, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm really doing this. And he had all these contraptions and gadgets. So, you know, my second half didn't go too hot, which, okay, fine. Well, the Again, I go to work. I, I used to work out at API in Arizona. Well, guess this, this certain hitting coach lives in Arizona, so now I'm hitting with him in the off season, right? And I never could get back to <clears throat> that feel that I that I had my whole life. And I'd go back and watch film, and I'd go back and do this, and I'm like, "Doesn't help." Like I can't feel what I used to feel, and I remember it. I mean, I'm I'll look at pictures, not even videos. I'll look at pictures of old swings, right? And I'm like, I remember that. I remember that feeling. I remember hitting a homer off a Roy Oswalt, 97 mile an hour, kind of up and in to dead center field, a little maybe left center field, uh, in in Houston before they brought the fence. I mean, just I'm, smashed it. And, I'm, and I remember running it around the base, going, "How in the hell? Like, how did I hit it over there? Like that? That's I don't even know how I did it, you know. And I could, but I could never get back to that feel." Ever again, you know, it would come in spurts. I could never hmm, get that. So yeah, there's there's a story for you. Can you can you imagine in 2022 if you were starting your career now and they said Adam, you're walking too much, you'd fall out of your wow. chair? I mean, because because I think to to the detriment nowadays, it's the walk is an overexposed thing. I, I think it's great for guys that have great eyes and, you know, you get a high on base. I, I think it's great. I think they've made it out to be, uh, you know, the cat's meow, the most important thing in the history of baseball. And you're sitting there back there and going, yeah, you walk too much. What do you mean you walk too much? You know, today, today's game would be like, what are you talking about? That's what they I'll pay for, you. you know? Yep. It's definitely different. 
2003, you hit 27, and then it starts uh, a pretty awesome little streak you go on. And, and it's amazing. You hit you hit 40-plus five years in a row. Uh, you mm-hmm. go 46, 102, 40, 101, 40, 92, 40, 106, 40, 100. What's amazing to me is from 05 to 08, you hit 40 every season. You hit 40 on the nose. By the second yep. year, you think, wow, that's pretty interesting. I hit the same exact amount of homers. By year four, it's kind of be like, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I again, I, you know, all I cared about was playing. I, I, I cared about games played because I didn't, you know, those those mental days, those off days, those that all that junk is because you suck, right? And I was completely fine with that when, you know, like you said, there's no sugar coating, like. We get it. Like you, you, you're going to get an off day, right? Not these predetermined off days. You're you're getting an off day right now because you suck. <clears throat> and so I, I knew if I was look if I if I'm in there, 162 games, I got I don't know what you know that day that I might get benched. You know that could be a three homer game. That could be a you know that could be the game that turns everything around. Right. So I, you know I try to pride myself on being out there every single day, and you know, let the numbers, the numbers are what they are. And apparently they were, you know, 40 and a hundred. Yeah. Isn't it amazing as we're, when we're kids, it, that's, I had the same mentality. I mean, it was like, you yeah. tell me I'm out of the lineup. I didn't have even back then the foresight to look at it and go, wait a minute, this might be good for me to sit here and just watch a big league game today. I'm confused. Uh, we, we weren't wired that way. We weren't like that wasn't. No, no. Was, I, I, I thought norm. exactly like you did. You said this might yeah, be the I day know. I hit three. I always That's thought right. about that. I might leave three ribbies out on the table today if I don't play that. I know that if I don't play the game, I'm not I'm not going to drive in a run. I might not drive That's in right. one if I play, but I know if I'm not, I will definitely not find one. So I was like you. I mean, you had to rip oh. it off. And, and early in your career, early in my career, you know, you, you have less say than you do, say, when you're when you're a salty veteran and you kind of proved yourself and you, you have the credentials to back it up. Then it becomes a negotiation with the manager. Uh, but right. back in yep. the early days, it was like when I had Davey Johnson and and man, we we had some we had some go arounds, me and him. But but looking back on it he was really a good manager and he knew me more than I knew myself. And I have a yep. lot of respect for, for how he ran the game and he give. but I'll tell you to this day, he gave me a day off. Bobby Cox. And when I was in Atlanta, gave me a day off. It's like, I had to go in the back room and, and get away from everybody for an hour. Cause my bud, w- my, my blood was just boiling and that's how I was wired. It's like, no, I've got to right. play. I've got to play every day. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's, I mean, that's when I knew, oh, I, I don't want to skip ahead, but th- th- like, that's when I knew that my time, I'm doing a disservice by being a big league baseball player. When <clears throat> I was walking behind a player in, in this city and a young, young kid and, you know, walk in the clubhouse and the lineups up and I get the, oh, like, what's wrong, man? Like 22 straight days. I'm like, huh? <laughs> 22 straight days he played and he was like, couldn't like, couldn't believe it. And I'm like, you know, so I, I let him have it a little bit and I get uh, the next day I get team president call, you know, called me in the office after and asked him what the problem is with me and this player that this player's agent called said that I was, you know, on him pretty good and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe I am, you know, maybe, Maybe I am. Maybe maybe they don't have to sign up for 162 games like you know everybody else before them. You know maybe they just sign up for 112. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I, right, I, and you got to you got to cut your pay though. If you're going to play 112, we're going to we're going to prorate it. That's funny to me, right. Adam, because I I didn't get to that generation. I mean, I can say honestly to this day, I, know. I never heard a player any team I have ever had. Say I, I might, you know, I, I played with Lenny Harris, who was the super utility yep. player. Now he would mess around because he would he would give me a day off when I had a day off in Cincinnati, and then I remember I got I sprained my ankle, so I was going to miss three or four days in a row. And Lenny would come to me and go, "Booney, listen, man, I just wanted to get a start. You start playing right. with too many in a row. That's not, you know, but he's doing it in a, in a kidding way. Of course, he's loving That's that right. he's getting an opportunity to play, but to to do it in a serious, I couldn't imagine Adam." wearing another teammate out yep. 
and then coming to the ballpark and getting called that that teammate went to his agent like a little tiny baby. I, I couldn't even imagine that mentality. I didn't grow up in that era. Like you fight your own battles. If me and you got a problem, we'll, 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 we'll hash it out right here. Work I'm not going to go call right. anybody and tell on you. So that to me is an amazing, that's, it's an interesting story, but it's amazing to me. It is. And, and, you know, and that's again, like, you know, earlier on, that's where I was saying that I, that I felt like I caught the tail end of, you know, what everyone would would call well now what nowadays would call old school baseball which I wouldn't I would call it baseball but um you know and then this this new wave this new you know let's let let's have fun let's let the kids have fun or whatever whatever everybody wants to say and uh you know I'm not saying right or wrong I just you know I prefer one over the other and um you know I like I like the, I like the, I like baseball. Um, you get traded to Arizona in 08 late in the season. You're there for a short term and you end up signing a two-year deal with the nationals. You go on to hit 38 homers. There, there you go again, Adam, you hit 38 in 2009. You decide, well, this is what I do. You hit 38 in 2010. Tell me a little bit about that, that, uh, uh, during one of those seasons, I think it had been, I think it was 09, you got a chance to play in the World Baseball <laughs> Classic. And a guy I was yep. talking about earlier, Davey Johnson, one of my early yep. early managers in my career, uh, was the skipper. Uh, take me through a World Baseball Classic. I, n- I never got to play in one. Yeah. Uh, that was, again, that was an all-star game that meant something, right? Um, that. The problem, the problem was, you know, when it went, the timing of it, you know, the timing of it, you know, it's, it's right in the beginning of spring training. So nobody's, you know, these other countries are rock and rolling and, you know, we're just kind of knocking the dust off. And, but if you look at that roster, you know, you're playing with the best of the best representing your country. And, um, you know, I, I, I looked at that like, you know, at, the, at that point in time, that was my world series. And, you know, I was going to go out and treat it like a world series. After the, uh, 2010 season, you signed a four-year deal with the white Sox. 2011, you had appendicitis. It kind of, kind of sidelined you. And, and it was kind of a year, probably you thought was kind of a wasted year. I uh, playing yeah. for Ozzy Guillen. Eventually he'll give way to Robin Ventura, by the way, Robin Ventura, one of my favorite guys to play against, uh, in the early 2000s. He, if, I don't know how he did it. You know, I, I was like a little kid because Robin was Robin was three or four years ahead of me. And yep. you know how when you're young and you're watching those college stars and you're watching the College World Series, well, that's when Robin Ventura was like the best. And I used to, you know, because I was behind him. I'm in high school watching him. I think, oh, Robin Ventura. And then yep. I got to play against him and, and we had some battles in the early 2000s. He was just, to me, hilarious always had always had something funny to say and uh he's just a guy that i kind of admired from afar never got to know him still to this day don't know him that well um but i really liked him you played for ozzy you played for robin uh you're an all-star again in 2012 you hit 34 and 13 22 you end up going to to the uh to the a's to finish it out um but Oh, also in 2012, he led the league in walks. That's the second time he did that. Going back to to your earlier mentor that told you you walked too much, you, you led the league twice. Um, how was your time looking back? I know you said some of your favorite times were those Reds teams, um, yeah. but what was your overall experience in Chicago? Chicago was, you know, Chicago was, was tough. Um, you know, it was a – kind of a different it was a different it, it was different than from what I was used to as far as kind of the team aspect right it was um every team I've ever been on was really you know we did everything together we from the you know from the younger years of of Cincinnati to to Washington to you know then going to to um Chicago, it was completely, completely different. You know, it was kind of, you have, you know, I try to have team functions and, you know, you wouldn't get a hundred percent participation. And, you know, that kind of, that kind of frustrated me a little bit because I really think that's a big part of the game. And that's, you know, that's 
kind of why. And, and I think, again, I, I know I'm skipping, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, my year in 2011. I think people nowadays, not so much nowadays, people, people I felt would like, well, you suck. Like you, you hit a hundred, you hit a buck 70 or whatever it was. And you suck, you know, don't worry about what you've done. Like you, you suck. I'm better than you. You don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of how I, I felt really my entire time there. It just, um, and, and DHN was as, as, as great as it sounds as, um, I'm not knowing now I'm, I'm not wired for that. And I, you know, I probably knew that going in, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not wired to just sit on the bench, go up there and hit and then come back and, you know, do nothing or ride the bike or all that stuff. So, um, you know, knowing that again, things happen for a reason, sat down, you know, after and, and knew that, but I'm not going the, do I think I could hit 500 home runs? Absolutely, no doubt. But that was good enough for me. Um, you know, I wasn't going to just hang around, just to hang around and be miserable. Uh, <clears throat> and that's and that's it. I mean, you know, the, it was just a different different kind of baseball being played. Um, the clubhouse wasn't this sacred thing that I grew up um, cherishing anymore. Um, you know, and it was just, it was just time to go. And, uh, so I chunked them and chunked it to deuce things and moved on to real life. Interesting. And I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but the DH, I was going to ask you about being a DH because, uh, man, I don't think I could have, could have dealt with that. I, I played with one of the greatest of all time, Edgar. And I would Mm -hmm. sit there and I'd pick his brain and said, Edgar, how do you do it? You know, I said, what gives me a little bit of a relief from my own brain when I'm not swinging the bat great is I get to put on that glove and go take a hit away from somebody. And it just keeps me occupied. I said, and he said, Booney, when I, when they first told me I had to be a DH, because Edgar was a third baseman when he came up. And when I was a rookie, when I first played with him, Edgar was a third baseman. And he said, when they came to me and said I was going to be a DH, I said, no chance. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He said, I accepted the role eventually. And he said, I really had to commit to it. I've got to keep my brain going. And and you mentioned the bike. That's what Edgar would do. He would do, he'd be very a regimented, you know, he, at, in the first inning, he did this and the third inning, he did this and the sixth inning, you know, just to, he said, I have to keep myself going and hit my checkpoints just to keep my mind in the game. He said, because it, it is, it's like playing a position, uh, only it's more of a mental position. And he said, after a while, he got a hang of it and he, he, he learned how to have a way. Uh, that's always interesting to me, that DH position, because you take a great hitter, it doesn't mean he's a great DH, because some guys can't handle it, some guys do handle it. I think I would have sucked at it. I never ended up being a DH, but that was, even the days, even the days, Adam, that that they tell me they're going to give me a breather, get me off my legs, and I was going to DH, I'm like, I don't want to DH, I need need something so I don't throw any helmets, so I could go take a hit away from somebody else. Um, but it was interesting. And the more I listened to you, it, it sounds that like you would have been perfect playing in the eighties and the nineties where that game ends and guys sit around in their, in their underwear, drink a beer and talk the game. You know, that's how it was when I grew up with my dad's Phillies teams in the seventies. So I learned so much about life. Like literally, and this is cheesy cheese ball. Like I remember Barry Larkin, Talking about his house when he was building his house, right? And how this is this this I don't know why this sticks out, but like this is the stuff. And I know it's cheese ball. I, I and I, I get it. But I remember he's like, man, when you shower, like I hate having water standing when you shower. He's like, so I'm, I get get these oversized drains in my shower. What do you think I did? I'm like, dude, I hate wow, shit. I hate I hate water on my feet when I shower too. Like I'm getting I'm getting these oversized drains because I remember sitting there talking shop, listening to these dudes. You know, talking about these big old houses that they're building and all these little stupid things, this and that. But you learn so much about life and baseball and, you know, you get to know everybody and, and, and you know, and not, oh, we're having food. So let's get our food and be out before the media. 
Yeah, I, I don't know how it had done in that general. Man, for me, it was solace. It was like, okay, this game is so hard. After the game, let, let's let's talk it out, you know, and you, and you guys would pull up chairs. And, and one night it was it was somebody holding court and the next night. But we always had six, seven, eight guys talking the game. It's like what went, you know, and, and, and then it would end up being a fun conversation about, like you said, goofy stuff, yeah. like oversized drains. But it started yeah. off of how do we let that guy get? How do we let him off the hook tonight? You know, what did we do next time? What are we going to do to combat so this doesn't happen to us again? And we're sitting here with an L hung on us. Yep. What are we going to do next time? And it would go to, you know, it'd ping. And, and I remember some of the greatest conversations, Pat Borders, who who won a World Series with Toronto. But in, in my Seattle years, he was the backup catcher but man he'd sit there and talk the game and some nights pat would speak and go booney that's second at bat when he had to you know and it was just little stuff i'm like pat you're right and then edgar and it, it was so interesting to me and it just by the time it's 45 minutes or an hour after the game it's time to get in the shower and go home and, and get ready but we've talked out any angst that we have any any yep. uh you know, frustration that we went through. We've talked it out and everybody's feeling good about it. Like, all right, we ready for, we're ready for tomorrow. All right, break. See you guys. we got families. we got to go home. But that's what I grew up in as a little kid. I remember going into those Philly clubhouses and it was my dad and Schmidt and Boa and, and Bull Luzinski. And they would just pull up these card tables these card tables and these chairs. They'd sit there in their shower shoes and they'd talk for hours you know, how'd we get beat tonight or, or man, we're kicking their ass and we're going to kick their ass tomorrow. But it was that bonding and what made that team, that team. And you talk about the things that you've uh, alluded to so far on the show. It's like, man, Adam Dunn sounds like he's a throwback and he would have been better suited for those seventies, eighties, nineties ball players. Cause that's, you're right. It was a lunch pail game. You go to the yard, you get your work done. Then you talk about it after the game and you figure it out for the next day. So uh, I, I was that guy too. So I can, I can relate. Yeah. And again, like I, I feel like I can speak about it because I've, I've seen both sides of it. Now, you know, I played in what I feel was the last, you know, kind of era of the old school and then caught the beginning of the, of the, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying either one's right or wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, stir up a, a hornet's nest here. I'm just, you know, when you, when you learn, a, when you learn a certain way to do something, it's really hard to try to, you know, for me, it was to overlook some things that, you know, that were kind of frowned upon, um, your entire life. And, and, um, you know, I, and I know you know this man well, and, and this it, it kills me that this guy is not in baseball. This kills me that he hasn't been in baseball for a long time. But Tim Foley is one of the best baseball people that I've ever been around in my entire life. And, you know, I learned so much from him. I mean, I remember we were playing the Astros, and I, I'm not thinking. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the 2-1 changeup constantly and, you know, and hadn't been getting it. They're the only team. He's like, you realize they've thrown you 47 straight fastballs, right? I'm like, what? No chance. Go back and look, 47 straight fastballs. You know, I'm like, only, only Foley would know that. I mean, he just, that's a great baseball man. Tim, he was unbelievable. He he really was because yeah, uh, Tim, no Timmy was a Timmy was a teammate uh, with Dad on the Angels. Fiery guy, but man, a baseball a baseball man to the core. Yep. And you're right, he come up with little things like that. I played with Timmy my last baseball game I ever played in uh, when I was making a comeback in I think '08 mm -hmm. with the Nationals, and uh, Timmy was the AAA manager for Washington. I forget we were where we were uh where we were located, but I went down and I played for him uh for ten or twelve games before I took it to the house and, and I just remember, man, he could a guy love the game anymore? Could he be any more knowledgeable on the game? Could he be more passionate about the game? It's check that box, check that box, check check that box. You're right. Tim Foley's one of the rare guys that I mean that's a baseball lifer grinder that that had a wealth of knowledge. No doubt. No doubt. And he was another one. Love him or hate him and I I love that man. I mean he and it's a shame that he, you know, never got another opportunity. 
After 14, you take it to the house, uh, 462 homers, you hit 46 times. You drove in 106 times, and uh, pretty pretty awesome career uh, you had. Um, and, and you remind me, you don't remind me of, but I think it's more of a stature thing. You were a similar player to a, like a Richie Sexton. Both of you are mm-hmm. big, tall, strap, and power guys. Um, we had him on the podcast uh, a few months back, and and he he talked to me about. Uh, we talked about the challenges. I always tease him, saying, "Richie, it must be nice being that big. You know the leverage you have, and and you can miss balls and hit them where I got to just back leg him." And he says, "Yeah, Booney, that's true. I do have the leverage." He goes, "But look at my arms." He goes, "A lot more could go wrong." So there are. Uh, the challenges to, I think you're six, six, I think Richie's six, eight, you know, back then that, that was a rare thing nowadays, not so much, you know, you go look at those Yankees teams, you got judge and you got Stanton and, and you got guys that the, the players are just getting bigger and bigger as we go. But tell me some of the challenges it was being such a big guy. Do you, are you in the same camp as sexy where, yeah, that leverage is nice because we're so big and and we cover a, a lot more, so that ball does go off our bat differently than it goes yeah. off, say, a six foot guy's bat. But at the same time, we got these long limbs, and a lot more can go wrong. Yeah, you're always having to, you know, and he's he's right, dead on. I mean, it's always, you know, I was always like spatial awareness. You know, I didn't want too much space in between my hands and my body. Um, you know, and that was just kind of kind of my my thing, and. Um, you know, I think a lot, I think, I think the strike zone, you know, and people laugh when I say this, I'm like, you know, these umpires are the best umpires, the, the, what they do, even the bad ones. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty damn good, but you can't tell me that they change Juan Pierre's strike zone to my strike zone. You know what I'm saying? So they're right. used to seeing knee high to Juan Pierre, boom, knee high to Juan Pierre or whoever I'm using Juan as an example, but um, and then we come up, you know, you're telling me that you are, I mean, I know you are good now. Don't get me wrong, but you telling me that you, that you're able to, Oh no, that's a, that's a strike on, let's say one, but no, that's that ball's down on you. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a challenge. I I think about that today. I think of a judge is who's the extreme on one side and you look at an Altuve. How can they have the strike zone for both of them? And how can, what's the, what's the in between? How can you get it just right for both? You know, when it comes to umpires, you know, these, I don't know about you, but these boxes they put on the, on the games today, they drive me crazy. I can't stand them. Because I think, you know, and, and all of a sudden, I don't know if you do the same thing, but I found myself getting lulled to sleep by it. So that's all I see is a box all the time. And I know what the actual strike zone is, but I'll see a ball hit the hit the corner of the box. And I'll be like, how did he call that a ball? And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. You're, you're buying right. into this thing. You know, for me, right. what a great umpire was, was a guy I'd go up to the plate my first at bat and he'd establish that strike zone. All right. You're giving a little bit on the outside corner. You're not going to give on the inside. Okay. As long as I know you establish your strike zone and I know what it is and you give it, give me a hundred percent back there with integrity being the number one thing I can live with anything. Cause I know that pitch, even though tomorrow night, that might be a ball tonight. It's a strike, but at least I know that And the human, you know, I, I was very forgiving to these guys are human beings. They're trying to start. They don't want to be a shitty umpire. They want to be a great umpire. Like I want to be a great hitter. So as long as you establish your strike zone and call a fair game both ways, I never had a problem with an umpire. But today, I, I think it's so tough with that stupid box because now everybody's a everybody's a, an expert on. It. Oh, it hit the corner of the upper quadrant, and I'm going. Right. I don't really care. That's not that's not what it's like when you're standing in the box, guys. And 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 you know, with my eye, see. This is the frustrating part with me is, you know, if if if, if that ball was when I tell you if it was an two inches outside, it looked like it was a mile outside, you know. And I can hit that ball. That that's the ball that would go to left, right? That's the ball that goes to the left field for me. But I can't. I couldn't. I could not force myself to swing at it. And what would drive me nuts is when I would take it and I get. I'm like, you know, the ball's not out. 
It's close. Too close to take. It's close. Well, what does that mean? What do you What do you mean? It's close. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's too close to take. Is it a strike or is it a ball? Right. Did you flip you know, a it's coin. Not, <laughs> it's not too close to take. Like, I, I hate that more than any. No, it's not. Like, maybe in at twelve U baseball. Okay, man. Like, look, guys, it's it's probably too close to take, right? Big league baseball. It's a strike or a ball. You know, I, I don't. I, I could never, and that that would that would really irritate me. Like, because you're telling me it's a ball, like, eh, it's close. So you're gonna give it to him? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear too close to take. It's a strike or a ball. What you're telling me is it's a ball, but it was close. Okay, well, I'm I'm strike I'm striking out for the third time of the game, and you know, looking like an <laughs> and, idiot. And it was and it, it was a ball that was too close to take. What are you on a That's time right. clock? You got a plane to catch? I mean, I can't tell you how many of those I got. Yeah, it was close. It was, it was close. It was a good pitch. Was what does that mean? Too close, too close to take. Yeah, good pitch. All right, another, another interesting thing to me, and, and I asked Sexy this, and he always says, Booney, I had played in today's era. I would have never got booed because I would blend right in. Because he, he used to tell me, he goes, Booney, I'm going to strike out. He said, I'm going to walk. He said, and I'm going to hit homers. And if I'm healthy, I think I'm going to hit 40 homers every time I take the field. He goes, but you're going to have to deal with the other things. And in in that earlier generation, it wasn't welcome so much. Today, how did you handle that? Because you were a high strikeout guy, you're a high mm-hmm. walk guy, and you're mm-hmm. a big time you're a big time home run hitter. It is different the criteria then versus today's game. They don't talk about these guys that strike out. You know, now the guys right. are striking out at that level, but they're not hitting forty home runs. They're hitting right. twenty twenty three. You know, for right. me, it's like if you're going to strike out, I, I need to see some. Okay, you're hitting 40, you're driving at 106. Well, I, I can kind of live with that. But if you're hitting yeah. 17 and doing that, I can't. I know you you had a lot of that during your career. Uh, yeah. Just give me in a capsule what you think then versus now and what you think yeah. about the whole topic. Yeah. You know, again, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to stir up anything, you know, because believe it or not, I would have a – I would. It bat not not so much pitch pitch you know by pitch but in a bat by by at bat I would have a plan you know because you know you know I would study the catchers a lot and that and that was another big deal about National League when I went to American League like everybody wants to to look at the pitchers right for tendencies well I always looked at the catchers and you know because the catchers seem to do their work but they're the ones that get into the tendencies right they're the ones that get you know, they 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 just they just kind of go and put their fingers and I'm not saying they don't have a plan, but a lot of them had some you know some really tendencies. You know, guy in scoring position with like a Prince Fielder or a Adrian Gonzalez up or something. I would go watch those those guys and I'd go watch you know the last forty at bats with them catching against those guys and see how you know. And it was like, oh my gosh, dude! Every time uh, those you know they'll start start them off with a you know a heater in or a breaking ball or a you know a two one speed or something like that so you know i would try to get to those counts and that's why a lot of times i would start out oh two or you know one two or something like that because you know i'm I'm, i've got this this predetermined you know thing it wasn't just because i'm up there like oh i think he's gonna do this well i mean i I, you know I, i would really try to study the catchers a lot and you know with two outs i'm looking for something that I can drive. Like, you know, I'm looking for one location and if, and it's hard to hit with two strikes. And I mean, let's be honest, but you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to look in this area. And if I get it, I'm going to try to turn it loose. And if I don't, then, you know, I'm going to try to just battle, battle, battle until, you know, they either walk or strike out or, you know, put something in play. But, um, you know, I just, I never understood, like, I I mean, could I've hit 400? Yeah. I, I probably could have bunted 400. I mean, really, like, I mean, I probably could have bunted twice a game, got two hits, and, uh, you know, everything looks great. But, um, you know, I was trying trying to do damage, especially with, 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 with you know, nobody in scoring position. You know, I'm trying to get in scoring position. Interesting. That, that mental side of the game, you talk about catchers. I, I, I love that side of the game because I was like you, I wouldn't necessarily, I, I would take the whole thing into play. It's like catchers, this catcher I know has certain tendencies. Certain catchers yep. gave me a hard time because they'd be thinking 100%. with me. You know, certain pitchers were predictable as heck. 
You know, I know if I've got a young, scared kid on the mound and, and I can eliminate a pitch, it's pretty easy. If I can take the first pitch fastball away and smoke it in the right center gap, I just eliminated fastball away from that pitcher. He doesn't want to throw it again. Now, if it's a veteran guy that's had a lot of success, he might go right back to the well. I've got to know that that goes into my formula. I mean, this, we could talk about this till, (laughs) till the cows come home. It's such an interesting topic. And I love the guys that really get in the weeds and really study tendencies guys hitting in front of you. Who's hitting behind me. What have I done against this guy? What has the guy behind me done against him? I used to talk to my teammates all the time. I'd be like, if I come up, you know, John Olroot's hitting behind me tonight, Johnny, I want to let you know, if I come up with a base open, what's your success rate with this guy on the mound? Because if, because if you're really successful at him, that gives me a little intel that maybe he comes after me a little bit. If Johnny right. hasn't hit him very well, maybe he's thinking, well, I'll pitch. He'll be a little more careful to me. So I know that going in, all these things help hitters. And today, sometimes I see it. And, and believe me, I do see it from certain teams, certain hitters. I can tell they're really thinking the at-bat. But a lot of times I don't see it in today's game. And I'm thinking, gosh, it's it's so it not that it's easy, but but it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of of, of you know, recognize or you, you've got to get in and, and study a little bit. But it's such an advantage if you can do that over the long haul of 162 games. It, it fascinating stuff. I love talking about it. Um, yeah. Big donk, big donkey. Who hung that on you? That That's was your nickname. Uh, Guy by the name of Chris Sexton, um, probably the year I quit football. Um, you know, and I hated it. Like it's the dumbest. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like is it because you saw me in the shower. Like, like what is it? And, <laughs> um, it's definitely what. It's definitely not that. But, but uh, you know, it, it just it's it stuck. And one of those things that just stuck. Um, 2013. I didn't know this until I until I I did my research. Dallas Buyers Club, love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no clue that Dunner was the bartender in a scene, nor did I know that you were an investor in the movie. Love that. Mm-hmm. How the hell does that come about? Where do you all of a sudden go? Oh yeah, did you know McConaughey? How did you get into that whole thing? Awesome movie. Yeah. So again, kind of long story short, one of my really good buddies. Uh, he's, you know, he's about 15 years older than me, but you know, he's kind of a self-made guy that, um, you know, just a entrepreneur type. Um, and we had, he had this, we had this opportunity to, um, get the, get this script. And, uh, he's like, well, I mean, you want to, you want to try it? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of the, the, the budget of the movie was, was significantly low and Matthew was willing to do it for, you know, the, the minimum. And, and so we worked out and we ended up buying the script and, um, producing the movie. And, uh, you know, that was our first movie we did. And, um, you know, we've done a couple more since that have, uh, you know, that have done, done good, but obviously, you know, that for that to be your, your first one, um, you know, that's going to be a hard one to top. How was it? Were you on set for the whole thing? I mean, were you right there going through the whole movie or? Yeah. I mean, you know, we filmed that in like 28 days. I mean, it was amazing. And, um, you know, what those guys, that's something I don't have interest in doing again. Um, you know, like just one scene, one little part, you know, took 29 takes and, you know, about the fifth take, you know, the, the director, um, like perfect i'm like okay perfect he goes now we got to shoot it you know this angle i'm like oh man perfect like perfect in my business means you can't get any better you know but you have to just it's just it's such a long day and those guys are just so professional like i was over it but you know 30 minutes in i'm like all right i'm over this man and you know they still have 18 more hours to go well very cool adam dunn i appreciate you coming on the boom podcast it's a lot of fun and uh hell of a career cincinnati reds hall of famer what we do each and every Boone podcast at the end of the podcast is we bring back in the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy. Dan. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the podcast, Mr. Dunn. We appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me, man. It's awesome. I like the voice. Hey, ha, thanks, thanks, man. 
Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it, man. That's going to do it for the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director, producer, voice of the Boone Podcast. EP, executive producer, Rich Herrera Digital. All gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Do us a favor, share the Boone Podcast. Neighbors and friends and all those that love sports, make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. And while you're at it, give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boone Podcast, he is Brett Boone. You can find him on social media at the Boone 29. I'm Dan Levy, BASS on air. That is base on air, all of my social medias. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Have a great one.